Now, in case there's any dads out there on their smartphones right now looking to order those mom goggles, let me just save you some time. I already checked. They don't exist. I know. It's a crusher. Sometimes I wish they did. It would be handy. Well, it's a, it's a great day. I hope mothers are feeling the love this morning. And uh, this morning, we also want to encourage you in the role you have because uh, it's not an easy one, and it's an, it's an important role that God has given to mothers. And so we want to take a moment to look at the ministry of motherhood this morning. And I would invite you to bow with me once more. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, and that from your word, we have everything we need to learn how to live. And so this morning, as we focus in on parenting and specifically motherhood, that again, through this passage and through your word, that you would give us further equipping and encouragement on how to live out this role, this important role that you've blessed mothers with. And so speak through me, your servant, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I read a story about a little boy who had one of those faces that was entirely covered in freckles. Freckles on every square inch of his face. And sadly, the boy was already quite self-conscious about his freckled face because he was already being teased by other children. Now, on one special occasion, he was spending the day at the zoo with his mother, and they were standing in line with dozens of other children, waiting to get their faces painted with tiger stripes. But while standing in line, a girl in front of him turned around, smirked, and said loudly, You've got so many freckles, there's no place left to paint. Well, right on cue, all the other kids in line laughed. Stung, embarrassed, the little boy dropped his head and began to leave the line. But his mother quickly knelt down next to him and said, You know what? I love your freckles. In fact, when I was a little girl, I always wanted to have freckles, but never had any. Then tracing his freckled cheeks with her finger, she said, You know what? I think freckles are beautiful. The little boy looked up at her in amazement and a little bit of disbelief and said, Really? Of course, said his mother. Just name me one thing that's prettier than freckles. And while at that, the little boy peered intently into his mother's face. He thought for a long moment and then softly whispered, Your wrinkles. Now, isn't that just what every mother wants to hear? <laughs> that her wrinkles are beautiful. Because truth be told, of course, it's your kids who are mostly responsible for giving you those wrinkles in the first place. But this story conveys a truth. That though his mother may have been self-consciously attempting to hide her wrinkles away with oil of olay twice a day, it was the kindness and the affirmation that she showed her son which caused her inner beauty to shine through in such a way that in his eyes, nothing was prettier than his mother's wrinkles. Proverbs chapter 31 verse 30 would back that up. It says, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And so today we want to look at motherhood, not through the eyes of the world, but rather through the eyes of God. Dr. James Dobson once said, Countless times each day a mother does what no one else can do quite as well. She wipes away a tear, whispers a word of hope, eases a child's fear. She teaches, ministers, loves, and nurtures the next generation of citizens. And she challenges and cajoles her kids to do their best and be the best. But no editorials praise these accomplishments. Where is the coverage our mothers rightfully deserve? 
Well, that's one thing we want to do here today is give mothers the coverage they rightly deserve. You know, motherhood is unique from any other job or employment on planet Earth. In fact, it's not so much employment as rather an all-encompassing way of life. And in fact, I would see it as a ministry. And I think the Lord would as well. Because from your womb to adulthood, you selflessly give of yourself, body, mind, and soul, to the nurture and development of your children. But for the Christian mother, your desire goes far beyond their physical, emotional, and social development. You also desire their spiritual development. And as countless studies and testimonials will attest, mothers have a disproportionately large influence on the development of children and, their, and families, which in turn carries over into the church, which in turn carries over into society. And I want you to turn with me this morning to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And there we're going to see a small example of the massive influence that mothers can have on their children and how that can carry over into the church and into the world. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, and there we're going to read verses 2 to 5 once more. The Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, To Timothy, my dear son, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience. As night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. So here in this passage, the first thing I want to draw to your attention is that we see that Timothy is the spiritual son of Paul. Now, as far as we know, the Apostle Paul never had his own biological children, but he had many spiritual children, and Timothy is one of his boys. But long before the Apostle Paul arrived on the scene, we see that Timothy was already growing up in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And the reason for this was because Timothy was the recipient of a godly legacy. Now, most times in Scripture, when we see a godly legacy being passed along, it is most often the father who is credited as the principal agent of this legacy being passed along. And now, of course, here we pause to acknowledge that it is God's ideal design that both a father and a mother are equally yoked both in the faith and working together to raise their children to know, love, and serve the Lord. But of course, because we live in a broken world, sin is in play at all times. Life isn't always ideal. And in Acts chapter 16, verse 1, we learn this. Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra. And and Lystra was the town, the city, where Timothy grew up and where he became the pastor. So Paul comes to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. Now, though it's not stated explicitly here in the text, the clear implication by saying his mother is a believer, and then it says, but his father is a Greek, the implication is that Timothy's father was not a believer. This is further reinforced by Paul's emphasis that the legacy of faith Timothy received was passed to him not from his father, but rather from his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois. And so from the omission 
of Timothy's father, we see the principal agent here is the mother. And likely Timothy's father was not a believer, not in the faith. And so here we see that even in less than ideal circumstances, less than ideal situation, a mother and even a grandmother, their faith, their influence can still make a massive impact on a child's life. And so today I want to first address the grandmas present here. To all the grandmas, do not underestimate the power of your faith and influence on your grandchildren. Don't underestimate it. Don't think that simply because you're removed from the household that you no longer have an, Im- an impact. In fact, it's probably greater than you realize. One author, Eric Wigan, wrote this about grandparents. A sage once remarked that the elderly slow down and stoop over so that they can see things as children once again, so that they can hold the hands of children who toddle along on inexperienced feet. That bug on the sidewalk the snail under the cabbage leaf, the robin pulling the worm from the rain-moistened earth. These are the things only small children and their grandparents notice. Isn't that the truth? We're so busy as adults racing through life, we don't stop to notice or appreciate these things. But once again, the young and the old appreciate and notice these things hand in hand. And grandmas, God has given you a unique perspective that we hurried parents don't always have. Just this past week, as I was driving to church, as I always do, my, old, my route from Laurier to Hamilton to Broadway to Park to Bay Ave, the same route over and over again, I do it on autopilot. But this past week, as I was studying this text and I drove down Hamilton, and there on the corner of Hamilton and Williams is that park bench. It sits there on the corner all alone. You'll recognize the one I'm talking about, just over from Lakeview Gardens and the Royal Manor. And a memory came back to me. It just flashed through my mind. And the memory was of my grandma Greening sitting there. When she lived at Royal Manor, she often would take the sidewalk around for her, her daily walk, and she would sit there on that park bench, just enjoying the fresh air and sunshine. And how many times I would drive by and I would see her sitting there, just doing that, not in a hurry, not going anywhere, just sitting, enjoying the day. But then as that memory flashed through my mind, it was followed by a wave of regret. Because I thought of how many times I had driven by and it had gone through my mind, stop your car, get out, just sit with her for a minute or two. And I never did. Always too busy. You know, always something waiting for me, either at the office or at home. Something pressing that, of course, I've got to race off to. And now she's gone. And so yesterday... I stopped. (laughs) I stopped and I sat on that bench. I didn't stay long, but I stayed long enough to thank the Lord for blessing me with a grandma. That when she was the busy one, when she was the one with a household to run and a garden to tend and farmers to feed, that when I was the little one toddling around as a child, she was never too busy to make time for me. And I can see so clearly now what a powerful influence she had on my life. And I'm so thankful to the Lord for it. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 6 says this, Children's children are a crown to the aged. Children's children are a crown to the aged. And perhaps you too, like Timothy, are blessed not only with a godly mother, but also with a godly grandmother like Lois. 
So grandmas, I want to encourage you today to embrace your God-given influence in the lives of your grandchildren, maybe even today as you get together later on. Now what about the role of Eunice, Timothy's mother, who raised him and poured her life into him? What did she accomplish in this child? I want to point out to you just three things, three things that most likely will not come as earth-shattering to any one of you, things that you probably already know, but I want to reinforce these three things because they are absolute game-changers in the lives of children. Three things that Eunice did for Timothy that I believe all godly mothers should strive to do for their children. Number one, pray with and for your children. Pray with them and pray for them. We see in this passage, it opens with Paul saying, Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Now, granted, this is Paul, not Eunice speaking. But I believe that Paul's attitude towards Timothy, that that night and day he's remembering his spiritual son in his prayers, that Eunice will have been doing this as well. She will have followed this pattern, that that Timothy will have grown up in a household where the attitude was prayer. Prayer was not something that was just a one-off thing for meals. It was an attitude. It was a way of life. Praying was as natural as talking. And he will have grown up under the influence of his mother and grandmother saying, let's pray about that. Seeing them pray on their own, saying, let's pray about that together. And that this was a pattern. The great president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln, once said, I remember my mother's prayers, and they have followed me. They have clung to me all my life. What a statement, that his mother's prayers followed him and clung to him all his life. Even after she was long gone, he says what an influence his mother's prayers had on him. And we see the evidence in the character and the courage that he displayed throughout his life. So pass along, instill this emphasis on prayer. Pray with and for your children. This is the first thing we see from this text this morning. The second thing we see is that Eunice passed along to Timothy a love for the scriptures. A love for God's word. 2 Timothy 3 verses 14 and 15. If you want to skip ahead a page or two in your Bible, we see this clue of where Eunice has instilled a love for God's word in Timothy. Verse 14, chapter 3 says, But as for you, Paul speaking to Timothy, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Underline that little phrase in there, since from infancy you have known the holy scriptures. This isn't Paul who instilled the Holy Scriptures from infancy. He came along much, much later. The principal agent of this instilling the love of God's word and scripture was Timothy's mother, Eunice. How from infancy she has immersed him in God's word. It will have been read in the home, discussed in the home. She would have made it a priority in the home and made sure that Timothy understood the life-changing power of the word of God. And mothers, let me just say this morning, and and I say this from experience, no single thing you do will have a greater impact on your child than to impress upon them the truth of Scripture and a love for it. 
You can read all of the parenting books. You can do all of the right things that moms are expected to do, provide nutritious food, plan their activities, plan fun birthday parties, enroll them in sports, get them there, get them to and through school somehow by hook or by crook. All of those things are important, yes. But if you want to hand your child a truly life-changing practice, it will be his or her ability to know read, understand, and yes, love God's word for themselves. I can't underline how important and pivotal this is, and I'm so thankful that my mother was a part of instilling that love in me, how from a young age, Bible stories was what was read to me, and I can say like Timothy, from infancy, I was read God's word, and I grew to love it. I want you to think about it this way, moms. If one of your children fell into deep and dangerous waters, which of you would not extend a rope to rescue your child? If their life is on the line, who of you isn't going to do everything in your power to save your child? Or if not having a rope, who of you, even if it's in a raging current and there's a waterfall at the end of it, who of you would not just jump right in after your child? I suspect every last mom in this place would do just that. Even if it meant her life, she would do it. Well, the Bible says that your son or daughter is born with a sinful nature into a world that is filled with treacherous currents. And this world and and Satan has set it up in such a way that there is a downward pull that will attempt to suck your child down to destruction. But God has given you a tool to rescue your child from death. And that tool is not a rope or a life jacket. You have the inspired word of God. And when it is spoken... From your lips, from your mouth, when it is spoken, it is infused with the mighty power of God himself. And Paul continues to make just that point in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. This is a passage that you will have heard by itself so many times, but I want to put it in context for you. Because what Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, is referring directly to what Eunice had taught Timothy from infancy. And this is what Paul says. For all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. We all know and love and quote that verse, but I love that the context is the teaching of a mother to her son. How important that is. All scripture is God-breathed. And when you breathe it out, you bring it to life. And the Holy Spirit of God working within you from the mother who, who loves that child more than anyone else God uses that, and it does a marvelous work. Even if you can't get that kid to sit still, don't give up. Keep speaking, keep conveying God's word into your child's life. And now remember, the seed of God's word that was cultivated into Timothy's mind and heart long before the Apostle Paul came along and called it up into maturity was done by a mother. So what is God saying? Well, primarily he is saying, don't leave it only to the Sunday school teacher. Don't leave it only to the youth leader or pastor to teach your child the scriptures. Mothers, fathers, grandmothers, grandfathers, you teach them. It's your assignment. And the idea is, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, find ways to teach your children the truths of God. Get creative. Find ways to do it. Find ways to bring it up. Find ways to talk about it. But whatever you do, don't stay silent. I love that there's so much variety of how we can go about doing this. 
One of the ways that, that I grew up having this, this scripture just become a part of my life was that mom put scripture on our walls, literally. Like, scripture was on the walls of our homes. And I remember growing up, we constantly were, were memorizing verses. We had to write them out by hand. You know, we didn't always love doing this, but we did it because it was, you know, it was impressed upon us by mom. And those were up on the windows in the hall most of my life. I remember scripture verses being on the walls, literally. And so today, I'm so thankful that I also have a wife who uses her skill to beautifully display God's word on the walls of our home. And so we'll point to them sometimes, or the kids will point to them, what does that say? And then we'll tell them what the verse says, and we talk about why it's on our wall, because it's so important. Joshua 1 verse 9 is on the wall of our home. Other verses are on the wall of our home, and we'll talk about them. And the children understand that what's on the wall of our homes is important. This is something that our family holds in high esteem. This is the heart of who we are. And so there's so many other ways that you can do it. You don't just have to, you know, sit down and read the Bible to them wrote. They're probably going to get bored by that. There's so many different colorful books that you can use age appropriately. But find ways. And then, of course, with older children, there's new challenges. Engage them in conversation. Ask them questions. Find out what they believe. And talk about the tough issues in life. Always pointing back to God's word as the foundation. In addition to all of these things... Mothers, you must learn the Word of God for yourself if you're going to teach the Word of God to your children. So read it, study it, and then when, wherever you are, traveling along the road, eating breakfast, singing a good night song, just incorporate it into your life. And guess what will happen in the rub? It will transfer. You will pass it on. And we see that Eunice loved the Word of God and it changed her son's life. He went on to become one of the star pastors in the New Testament. It happened because he loved the Bible. And he loved the Bible because his mother loved the Bible. And she loved it because her mother loved it. Pass it along. So that's the second thing. Pass along a love for God's word. And the third thing we see here, the third game changer, is she passed along a sincere faith. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5 says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Now, because of genetics, you will pass along some traits to your children, physical traits, some of them good, some of them not so good. Your child might have your big brown eyes or your shape of nose, or perhaps like my daughter who inherited uh, the flat spot on the back of my head, and no, that's not from being dropped, Though I was dropped on my head on a couple of occasions, but it's not from that. Some of these things are just hereditary. We pass them along by default. We have no control over them. However, one thing that is not hereditary, one thing that does not happen by default, is the transfer of our faith. Just because you or I follow Jesus Christ doesn't automatically mean that our children will. No matter our best intentions or efforts, we cannot control the outcome of our children's lives. God has granted them free will just as he has for us, and we must accept that. However, the scriptures strongly indicate, and I am convinced, that one of the primary factors of whether or not a child will catch their parents' faith is the sincerity with which it is lived out. Paul credited Lois and Eunice directly with a sincere faith that they had successfully passed on to Timothy. 
Eunice was obviously a woman that was sincere and sensitive towards God. She didn't put on a show. Mothers, don't just be churchgoers, be Christ followers every day. And when you fail, because you will, in that model what it looks like to make it right before God and your children. Model grace, model humility. For in order for us to help usher our children into a sincere faith, it first must be sincere in us. One of the quickest ways to sabotage your children's growth is to model an apathetic or lukewarm faith. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about a a pursuit of Jesus, a passion, a pulse, something that drives you that is deeper than just the motions. It comes from our heart for the Lord. It's an honest desire to obey and apply God's word in practical life. And then it's, it's manifest in serving him in some capacity in Christ's body, the church. For as our children grow up, they are watching us like a hawk. They may look like they're distracted and not paying attention, but believe me, the stuff that we don't want them seeing, they see. They are watching us. And they want to know if we're for real. They want to know if our faith is authentic or counterfeit. And at some point, they will know They will know whether we are a contender for the faith or just a pretender. Make no mistake, Jesus could not stomach pretenders. He had no time for the Pharisees, those who were just going through the outward motions of religiosity. Jesus couldn't stomach them. All of his insults and rebukes were saved for the pretenders. Why? Because pretenders do more harm than good. For rather than presenting a sincere faith, They imprint a false picture on a young mind of what it is to follow Jesus. And so in rejecting the false picture, the children are often unable to distinguish the false from the real. And they often get confused, and in throwing out the false picture, they also miss the real picture of what a vibrant and exciting relationship with Jesus Christ actually is and looks like. It should come as no surprise that if Jesus means little to you, that chances are he will mean little to them. But if, like Eunice, Jesus means everything to you, then your child knows firsthand the difference that he makes for you. And so even if they reject him personally for a season, they still know. They know what the real picture looks like. They know what the real deal is. And Lord willing, Lord willing, one day, That will make a difference. The seeds that were planted, the real sincere faith that was modeled, they will come back to him. And so mothers, fathers included, I want you to commit yourself right now, no matter your age, to having and living out a sincere faith as you daily engage in your ministry of motherhood. A mother from California shared a great example of this ministry in action. She said it had been a busy day at the house. With ten children and one on, the day, one on the way, every day was a bit hectic, and to that I would say, no duh. <clears throat> but on this particular day, she was having trouble doing even routine chores because her three-year-old son, Len, he was stepping on her heels literally everywhere she went. Whenever she stopped to do something and turned around, she'd trip over him. Several times she patiently suggested fun activities that he could do to keep him occupied. Wouldn't you like to go play on the swing set, she asked. 
But he simply smiled an innocent smile and said, Oh, that's all right, Mommy. I'd rather be in here with you. Then he continued to bounce happily along behind her. Well, after stepping on her heels for the fifth time, she finally lost it. She lost her patience and demanded, Why are you right behind me every single step? And he looked up at her with his big eyes and said, Well, Mommy, in Sunday school, my teacher told me to walk in Jesus' steps. But I can't see him, so I'm walking in yours. Now, if you're feeling a bit daunted by that challenge, as that mother was in that moment, let me just say, no one ever said that being a mother is easy. But it has rightly been said that the rewards are out of this world. Because for Lois and Eunice, what greater reward could they possibly be enjoying right now, this very moment, than to be together with the Lord Jesus and all the saints in glory And they have their son and grandson Timothy there with them. Not to mention the countless millions of other people that their and his sincere faith helped lead to salvation as well. Incredible. And so with that goal in mind, an eternal perspective, let me reinforce these three things, game changers, in instilling and passing along your faith to your children. Pray with and for your children. Pass along a love for scripture and pass along and model a sincere faith. And my deepest prayer for your family, for my family, and for this, our church family, is that the children that the Lord has entrusted to us, because they are a trust, they've been entrusted to us, is that our children and their children to come will all gather together in heaven's glory. And that together, we will give glory to God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And that no one will be missing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your grace that you pour out on mothers and fathers' lives. Because Lord, we are so in need of it every single day. Because, Lord, it's one thing to talk about the ideal. It's another thing to live it out in the grind of everyday life. And it never ends. It keeps coming at us. And some days we do okay, and other days we fall flat on our faces. But we thank you for your grace. And so, Lord, over and above that, we thank you for your word that shows us how this grace can transform and lead us personally so that we can lead our children into sincere faith in you. And so I pray, Lord, that whatever stage the families present here today are at, whether prayer is already a regular thing in the home and this was just a shot in the arm to get it going even stronger, or whether it's one of those things where they've got to start from zero, Lord, I just pray that everyone today would say, I'm going to take one step, one step to make prayer a priority in our home, one step to go further and to make the Word of God a part of our home. Maybe that's going to start with putting up a family verse right in the middle of the living room and say, that's our verse And we're going to point to that and say, this is what our family believes. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray that steps would be taken and that sincere faith in you would be lived out in such a way that our kids would know, no, we're not perfect, but our faith is real. We're not just going through the motions. We love Jesus. And you've changed everything for me. And that that example, that witness, would say to our children, and he can do the same for you. And so we pray, Lord, that this passing of our faith would happen. 
and that none of our children and our children's children and generations to come would be lost, but that like Lois, like Eunice, we would do the part you've, you've called us to do and that the faith would be passed along for your glory and the furthering of your kingdom and that one day we will be around your throne in glory praising you together as the family of God. We give you all, all praise and glory for this, your design. Help us to do our part. In Jesus' name, amen.